Welcome to the Hardwood Prospectus. I'm Wes Goldberg. With me, as always, it's Ross Gottschalk. How you doing, Ross? Hi, Wes. How you been? Awesome. We're recording this on a Sunday before football starts, so we are going to basically just talk about everything that's been happening the last couple of weeks, because it's been a little while, um, and something that's happened has been the meteoric rise of DeMarcus Cousins to best player in the NBA, and I don't think I'm exaggerating. <laughs> When I say this, he's really, really good. He okay, so probably I think Anthony Davis was probably my league best MVP. Like he is the guy I always, if when in doubt, I turn it to an Anthony Davis New Orleans Pelicans game, right? Yeah, understandable. Lately, I've been giving Demarcus Cousins the bump over the brow. I've given Boogie the bump over the brow, and. The re when that happened when he did you watch that Kings um Memphis Grizzlies game when he was just going at Marcus Saul like Marcus Saul was not Marcus Saul? That's what I love about Boogie. He either does not care or he doesn't know, and I'm not certain which one it is. But he just didn't care about Marcus Saul being the best defensive player in the league and just went right at him. And there's that play at the end of the game where he just he takes it upon himself to just take it from the three-point line and drive it into the lane and gets fouled and gets the and one. And I just, ever since then, I was like, nope, I'm, I'm watching Boogie. I'm watching every minute of Boogie I can this season, and I've done so ever since. He, um, what, what makes him, I think, uh, more interesting than, than, Anthony Davis is that he like actively antagonizes everyone he plays against. <laughs> like he's just always mad. And so I really love, I've, I've liked watching him. This is probably my second or third year where I, I try to tune into Kings games. And it was before because like he was either going to have a really good game or he was going to get thrown out. Yes. <laughs> Which is always like, you don't see that nowadays anymore. Like now that Rasheed Wallace is gone, like you don't have that. Like, oh man, this guy could go off at any moment in a good or bad way. He's uh, he's absolutely filled that niche in the NBA, and I think it's an important role. And he's absolutely filled it. So he's just really fun to watch, and obviously, like he's and he's like just insanely good, and, and he's got a lot of like non-traditional big man skills. He can dribble the ball a little bit, um, and but he's also just like so mean. He plays so angry, and it's mm-hmm. um, it's fun to watch, especially from a neutral point of view. He, I don't know. He's just like comparing watching Anthony Davis and Demarcus Cousins is like almost. It's almost like that. Who's better, LeBron James or Kevin Durant? Argument is they're both on completely different levels of interesting to watch. Like yeah. it's them and it's the rest of the league, you know. And we, I think, at this point, we don't really appreciate watching LeBron James as much. And the Cavaliers are a absolute crap show right now. And um, it's it's just hard to watch that team. Um, See, Anthony Davis is good. Like, he's yes, he's, he's just good. amazingly good. But but Boogie is captivating. Okay. <laughs> like, like, he's, like it's, it's more than just... With Anthony Davis, he's just like a freak, and he's just really good. But with, but with Boogie, it's like his personality. Yes. Makes it I think you nailed it. It's just like you never really know what's going to happen. It's like 
if you're watching SNL and John Belushi, you just never really know what he's going to do. That's like watching DeMarcus Cousins. And then Anthony Davis might be like, I don't know, who's like like Phil Hartman or Will Ferrell or somebody that, or Chevy Chase. Somebody that's very like just a master of their craft and that just cannot be stopped. Like yeah. ask, if you ask me which one I want to put on my team, I'm taking Anthony Davis. But I mean, if you just look at his stat line, I mean, there's no doubt that He's the third best player in the league if everybody's healthy, right? Yeah. I mean, twenty six okay. points a game. If you had, and by the way, if you had he's, to pick, a, like, let's play small sample size theater here. Uh huh. Like he's like the MVP of the league right now, right? No question. Yeah. Like, Just the fact that he's got the the Pelicans. I think the fact that he's got the Pelicans in the in the talk for the eighth seed, and then because the Thunder are bad and they're not going to make the playoffs this year unless they win, like, 40 straight games when Durant and Westbrook get back. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you look at his stat line and it's incredible, but the thing that stands out is that 2.2 steals and 3.5 blocks per game. I mean, he's creating basically 5.7 steals by him or turnovers by himself per game, right? Like, momentum-type turnovers. And that's not even including what he's not getting credit for, which is like those those plays where he just absolutely strikes fear into the heart of the ball handler and the ball handler like dribbles it off his foot or passes it out instead of the easy layup or something like that. Um, I'd also argue that DeMarcus Cousins is, could be in the MVP race, right? Well, yeah, definitely. Unless you credit Darren Collison with the rise of the Kings. <laughs> disciplined sort mm-hmm. of the last night he like literally pulled down a rebound on defense and dribbled it all the way down the court by himself <laughs> while literally two guards are like standing next to him like asking for the ball like you'd literally see in middle school basketball where he just takes it himself and of course he got ripped by andrew wiggins and then Corey brewer slams it home but um, but that's what we love about boogie that's what's awesome because he could have just like if if he does that if he does that 10 times Five times he gets stripped by Andrew Wiggins, and then the other five times he absolutely just dunks it at the other end. He takes it all the way down the court. <laughs> like a behind-the-back dribble, like the stuff that he's like, he's like a good JaVale McGee. Hmm. Who, by the way, I was listening to your heat check. I don't even think that's a, uh, oh, thank you, but, but let me interject right here before you uh, tell me you were listening to my podcast. That, I don't even think that's a good compliment, considering how bad JaVale McGee's been. He's like if JaVale McGee was not JaVale McGee and amazing, that's what Bookie Cousins is. Okay, how about JaVale McGee is a really horrendous Bookie Cousins? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there you go. That's who the Heat, when you were talking about like the Heat need a big man, mm. and they need somebody, no. and, and Rammel was like, well, who's going to trade some, who's going to just give up a big guy who has skill? No. Well, the Nuggets want to get rid of JaVale McGee, so there you go. No. I don't want no. that. No, I don't want that. And you know what? <laughs> this is something that I've thought about, and this is the exact kind of thing Pat Riley would do. Get is go get JaVale McGee. Yeah. And, and if... I don't know if the Heat are so desperate, but if they could... Here's the thing is, I, I really liked JaVale McGee when he was good. When he had that like that playoff series. Um, what was that? It's like Four, it's the Lakers. 
years. Yeah, was yeah. that like four years ago or something? Or? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> something like that. Three or four years ago, five Three or four. Yeah. He had like two really good games. Mm-hmm. And I was all on board on the JaVale McGee wagon, and I think I finally got off it last year. Like midway through last year, I was just like, you know what, this guy's just, that was it. He's not going to be any good anymore. But yeah, you're right, he's got all the skills. He's interesting. He's got like that that boogie like I have no you you don't know what he's gonna do at any moment, but he's not good to back it up. He doesn't have the game to back it up. He's bad. He's just like not a good player. And um, if the Heat could somehow get him, you know what? We took risks on Greg Oden and Eddie Curry. I could talk myself into getting Javale McGee, and then I could talk myself out of it. But that's the kind of thing the Heat are gonna have to do, though, right? Am I being picky? I think I am. I don't fault you for not wanting JaVale McGee on, on the basketball team you cover, so, like, you know, it's half and half. By the way, congratulations on, on the Heat winning the battle of the, the heated battle of Florida showdown oh, last night. Thank you. Um, let's talk about Nikola Vucevic, then. Cool, yeah, let's just do it. <laughs> so that guy is, like, he's averaging 12.1 rebounds a game, and everybody, and I couldn't, every time I watch the Magic play, Every announcer goes out of his way to talk about how good Nikola Vucevic is playing. Oh, he's averaging 12.1 rebounds and something like, I don't even know how many, like 20 points a game or something like that, right? Like 18 points a game or something. And you just watch him and he cannot play defense. And there's a reason why every announcer says things like, oh, it's just a matter of time before the league takes notice. And then every Magic fan says, oh, why doesn't anybody ever give Nikola Vucevic credit? And it's been like three years he's been doing the same thing. Yes, he's averaging one more rebound per game. Yes, he's averaging a couple more points per game this year. But the league's not taking notice because everybody knows he can't play defense and he is irrelevant 15 feet away from the basket. And right now that game just doesn't work. He he, There was one play and that stuck out to me last night. He missed his shot th- three times. And rebounded at his own shot four times. He got four rebounds on one play. Literally four offensive rebounds on one play. No wonder his stats were so inflated. You know, most players just make the dunk the first time and don't get four extra rebounds out of it. <laughs> I hate him so much. So he put up 33 points and 17 rebounds yesterday against a Heat team without Dwayne Wade, mm-hmm. and they still lost. Yes. He's not... He had a minus two PER... In the fourth quarter, and that was when he's he had already scored a bulk of his points by then. And I don't believe in PER, but when it comes to Nikola Vucevic, it's almost a perfect way to measure him. Sure, yeah, yeah. I think PER can be appropriate. I'm, in like certain, stat. Yeah, I think yeah. PER is like the worst small sample size stat, but one of like it's a pretty good stat over an eighty-two game stretch. I don't know what the threshold is. I don't know when it's like, okay, now we could start using PER as an appropriate measure, uh, measurable, but I don't know, maybe like 50 games or so. Maybe all the all-star break. I don't know. But, yeah. um, He's awful on defense. He's just like a... Chalmers just... Chalmers tore... You were, you were just about to go there. He tore him apart. He just ate his lunch in the fourth quarter. And it's like they switched off balls. They, like they, they, put, they switched on screens. Like, if anything... Just have your guy go underneath and have mm-hmm. Chalmers shoot the lights out, and you lose that way. Yeah, they. Well, now we're talking about a Jock Vaughn thing, and <laughs> oh god, we're getting in, we're getting 
into a really dark segment of our of our podcast. When we start talking about when we start hating on the magic, this is why we don't have magic fans. Um, fans, magic fan fans. No, so pro magic like I know. I like everybody else on that roster except Nikola Vucevic, and he just spoils it for me. The thing is, he could be good if one of two. All he needs is to do one of two things: either a expand his game to the three point line so he becomes a stretch big, or b just be average at defense. If he does one of those two things, he can. If he does both of those things, he'll be one of the better centers in the league. Um, but I don't know that that defense will ever get there because he really lacks lateral quickness. If we want to get into specifics of why he's bad, he just cannot move side to side. So when the Heat started running, the Heat were running a lot more side pick and rolls um, last night than they typically do. I don't know if that was specific because of scouting or because this is just something Spolster wants to do more of as this team you know continues to evolve in the Lebrocalypse. But um, that it was basically just. Like Vucevic just couldn't. You're right. Like they, they were switching, and he just couldn't. He couldn't fly out on Chalmers. He couldn't get out, and I don't know what was going on. But everybody else on that roster is great. I like Alfred Payton a lot. I think that he basically just destroyed Shabazz Napier. Napier had a good stat line, but he struggled yeah. to get those twelve points, and that's why I think they give Chalmers the point guard duties in the second half. But he's good, Alfred Payton. Alfred's a monster on defense. Mm-hmm. Steals that I didn't think were pop like. He had five steals like, last night. Yeah. He just absolutely picks the pocket. I, but I think th- at least three came in the fourth too. Oh, so he probably had more than five. Yeah. No, I think I think he had Was five. It five? Okay. He just went off in the fourth. Like Shabazz just threw a bunch of bad passes. And, yeah. You know, it was it was kind of early in the fourth quarter where it was like the second units of both teams were in, and he was just like by far the best defensive player on the floor and just could could read what the offense was trying to do. Oladipo was really good on defense too. And if yeah. that 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 backcourt, I think we knew exact we knew it when they drafted Peyton, but that backcourt is going to be an absolute monster to go against when those both those players kind of hit their peaks. I mean, if they can ever find offense, they'll be good. That's the only thing is they need mm-hmm. those one of them needs to get decent in offense because if they're not, then they're not going to be able to put those two players on the court at the same time, which is... Yeah, you're, you're seeing that now. You're yeah. seeing a lot of like Evan Fournier, who's had a good year, but I would argue that someone's got to score on this team. Yep, and Tobias Harris is injured. And yeah. so... And I think he, he's a he's a garbage time scorer anyway. I don't know. His points don't really have much impact, I feel like, when he scores. Maybe that's because the Magic just don't win that much, but... That's why we have a podcast. It's for introspective things like this. Like I see, I see what Hennigan's doing. Like I think he thinks that Vucevic could be part of a winning team, and so he's drafted like guys who are really good on-ball defenders on the perimeter to like mm-hmm. so that like his terrible rim protection doesn't become a factor. But if anything, it's less that they're hiding up his weakness, and his weakness is just like exposing every the whole defense like it's just ruining everything it's not working that's a good point because he really he like everybody else can people will fight like there was this one play where Peyton just fought over the screen on Chalmers and Bosch Chalmers and Bosch tore him apart with the pick and pop game last night and yeah. like Peyton like did a executed a fight over the screen screen really really well 
and Vucevic just kind of like stopped. Like he just stopped moving. Like there's one thing to sag on the pick and roll, and there's one thing to just not move. <laughs> and he just didn't move, and just left Bosh wide open. And it's just like you know Bosh is going to shoot that three if you give it to him, right? You got to at least show something. Don't wait for him to drive on you. Bosh yeah. wants to shoot the ball. He does not want to drive. You think that that would come over in the scouting report, but I don't know. He, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. He just doesn't. He's so his feet are so slow. Yeah, he's just too big. And um, that combi- that combined with like the lack of recognition early in what's going on, just it tears him up. Yeah, because he doesn't. He can't even anticipate anything right, right now. I mean, you think about, like, Zach Thomas, the linebacker for the Dolphins. He was just, like, yeah. always slow, but always knew exactly where the play was going to be. So he yeah, was one of the best smart. middle linebackers in the league. Nikola Vucevic is not any of those. He's not fast, and he's not – he does not have that anticipation. No. But it will come, maybe, hopefully, for Magic fans. But I think an interesting exercise would be to, like, listen in on a phone call with Rob Hennigan trying to trade Nikola Vucevic and see what he could get. Like, if we could listen in on that phone call, and I think that would probably kind of spark maybe more of a uh, reality check with Magic fans and people that think Vucevic is good because he yeah. probably couldn't get a lot for Vucevic at this point. I mean, I think there's a certain there's, – there's, there's teams that would, like, trade certain pieces, but I think there's some fans that just think that they could get a lot for Vucevic, a lot more than they probably could. Magic fans just love Vucevic. He just he's, – he's just a total – they try to, like – I think they're trying to play around him, but he just ruins everything both on defense and on offense because on offense they have nobody like, mm-hmm. who can shoot, hit an outside shot, and he just clogs up the lane to where there's no space. And if any if any team needs to just be like a, a space it out team to allow Peyton and and company to just kind of try to get inside because those guys can't shoot right now. Right. Peyton and Oladipo just aren't shooters. But instead, they got like this big old dude, and he's and it's just it's just clogging up the lane. They need to um, uh, they kind of need to adopt. They need to get Quinn Snyder. Can they trade for Quinn Snyder or the, yeah. the five out system? Because last year I would have taken, I still would have taken Nikola Vucevic over Enes Kanter probably, right? But this year I'll take Enes Kanter because he's extended his game to the three point line and he's basically modeling what Nikola Vucevic needs to do. Like Vuce can, yeah, and just get that get that ball out to the three point line. Just that's all he should practice is shooting three-pointers. Because if he could do that, he'll be a, a weapon. He'll be good, I think, at that point. You have Channing Fry on that roster. He's a stretch four. They need to play a five-out system. Right now, I'm not sure what system they play. I don't. I think Jacques Vaughn's probably the worst coach in the NBA, other than Byron Scott. But we're also like talking about NBA teams. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, discounting the Lakers always in worst thing in the NBA. But... Jock Vaughn is probably the worst coach in the NBA. I don't know what he does, honestly. Yeah, I mean, they, they try to get a lot of, like, pick-and-roll action and then kick it out to the to the weak side guy, and hopefully he takes somebody one-on-one. Right. Um, but it, it's not working. My last point on Vucevic is, like, their, their pick-and-roll defense is horrendous with him, and, like, mm-hmm. he just gets exposed. We saw that against in the Heat game. And then the night before, was it the night before? Um, the Hornets game, yeah. When they yeah. came back from like 20 down, 
they can do that against teams like the Hornets who don't have a strong pick and roll game, mm-hmm. who don't have a mobile big, um, because the defense is so stifling at times. Um, if if you really just kind of get stuck in that in the half court offense against against the Magic, like they're gonna turn you over and they can get some easy buckets quick. Um, but if you run a pick and roll game like the Heat did in the fourth, or really throughout the whole game, it's uh, man, it's lights out. There's a reason. I think we've won like ten straight games over the Magic, and Vucevic absolutely tears us apart on the box score every game. But there's a reason why we've never lost to them, and that's because they know how to. They they basically just allow Vucevic to do his rebounding and points thing, and then they just attack him everywhere else on the floor. Um, but yeah, moving on. Let's talk about the Utah Jazz. We kind of talked about it a little bit. Yeah. So I like this team. yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch. The only thing that worries me is that they're not. They need to start winning games for me to be fully invested. But because <laughs> there's a certain point where it's just like, okay, they keep losing. I'm going to stop watching. What team? It was there was a team like this last season that there were a lot of fun X's and O's wise, but just kept losing. So I stopped watching them. Can't remember. Oh, the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves. The Kevin Love and Rubio. It's like I watched them for like the first like twenty, thirty games, and then it's like, okay, I'm done. Um. But yeah, this five-out thing with Ennis Cantor shooting threes all of a sudden. He was, I don't know what happened, but he did it in the preseason, and he was horrid at it. And then the regular season started, and all of a sudden he was good. Well, he's like shooting 33%, but that's good like for, for that. It's respectable enough. I mean, it's exactly what it needs to be, right? Respectable, just to open up the, open up the floor for uh, Exum and Burke and Burks. Yeah, exactly. Um. But this team is a lot of fun to watch. And Derek Favors was started off really strong. He's kind of cooled off since then, but he's still yeah. he's still playing really really well. And I just I love Quinn Snyder's what he's doing with this five out system. It truly is a five out system too. It's not like oh we're five out, but they're like playing like more horn sets or something like that. They're just there's five guys on the three point line. Like it's awesome to watch. Yeah, it's a lot closer to like what the Hawks have been doing mm-hmm. than anyone else in the league. Um, uh, I think Derek Favors is like the guy, right? Like if he if he develops, that's good, mm-hmm. and that's really what, what's going to make them a, a contender at some point. And if he doesn't, I feel like they kind of take a step back. I, Gordon Hayward's had a good year. Yeah, like he's played really well. Um, he's he's kind of like he's kind of been freed up a lot because he does like a lot of things really well. He doesn't do anything great, but he does a lot of things pretty good. Um, and he's like a free safety now. He can just kind of roam and do his thing and, sure. and his five out system. But yeah, I, I really and like what not, we've seen from him. He's not like the play initiator like he, right. like he had been before, where it's like on him. He's getting this. It's a designed secondary action for him a lot of times to find him a one on one mismatch. Because um, he's not going to be the guy who like takes the ball off the court and, and makes something happen and, and creates. He needs to be the guy who gets it off of a off of a driving kick and then he can either you know he's obviously a great shooter or a good shooter I shouldn't say great but he's a good shooter but he can also he can also take you off the dribble that's really where he's had success and he's also an improved defender so he's good but I don't I mean I mean correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think he's going to be like the star on a really really good team where Derek Favors could has the athletic possibility and the size the problem with him is he started to develop offensively but his defense like which is something I think was almost like given at the beginning of his career was that he was going to be a rim protector and things like that. And he's not necessarily 
at that point, and I don't know when that's going to happen, if that's going to happen. That's the only thing I'm concerned about with him, also consistency. But we see that with a lot of big men. It takes it yeah. takes a while. It takes a while. Well, and this, this, this new uh, thing about trying to get your big men to stretch the floor and shoot better and all this stuff, I feel like that takes some of the stress off of um, being a good defender, and uh, they kind of let that go a little bit. But it's a good thing they have Gorgie Jang. I'm sorry, not Gorgie Jang. Um, what's his face? The other one. Uh, <laughs> Gorgie Jang's on the Timberwolves. Oh, they Rudy have uh, Rudy Gobert. There we go. Yeah, Rudy Gobert is a terrific defender. Yeah, a I block mean, machine. Yeah. So they have him. Um, you texted me the other day. Who would I take? Um, him or Cantor? And I don't. Did I? What did I tell you? What did I respond to that? I, I think, which one? I think you said Gobert. I think I took Gobert, but I'd be terrified that Cantor got really good. Like, Yeah, you're higher on Cantor than I am. I, I think he could be good, but I, I think he's the most expendable out of the three. I don't think I'm that high on Cantor, but I do think that there's a lot of, like, there's a, he's got, like, a unique type of potential where he could turn into, like, a, a stretch big guy, like a Bosch kind of guy, or, you not yeah, not so right. much Bosch, because I think Bosch is really good on defense, where I don't know if Cantor will ever have that. But, um, yeah, there's just, like, that fear that he could, like, just fill a niche that could be absolutely devastating. But I really like Rudy Gobert, so I'm happy to take him if you're giving me the choice. If he got rid of the goaltending rules, <laughs> like what, how he did in the, yeah. Oh, my. Holy cow. Yeah. That dude would be a monster. Um. He actually had a goaltending earlier in the season that was, like, like it wouldn't, it would have counted in Euro. Um, and I think that was just like that leftover like spark from from the World Cup. It was just like, and I think I don't know if he has had a goaltending since, but I thought it was interesting. It was like one of the first couple games of the season. And I was like, that's kind of funny because he's still thinking Euroleague style. But just uh, that out. They have a lot of fun pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of those guys. I just think one of those guys needs to kind of become a superstar if they're going to be good. Um, that's, that's my question. Yeah, and who's that going to be? But they also have a ton of assets, so they can make a move for one. And yeah, a trade. Yeah, definitely needs to make a trade mm-hmm. um, at some point where it's like, ah, this makes more sense because they just kind of have collected assets and they are just trying to figure it out on the go. Um, but Quinn Snyder's a good coach. Yeah, I absolutely His love hair. him. His hair. His is, hair is... And I like how fiery he gets with that hair. You combine that because his hair starts bouncing around. on It's... It's really good. Yeah. It's um, underrated aspect of coaches is their sideline persona, and Quinn Snyder's a, got one of the better sideline personas in the NBA. He's an animated dude, that's for yeah. sure. Well, because he does the he does the kneel, and he does the the pacing, and he has the just go crazy while standing up, and uh, just, and he sits. Background. What he's a college coach. That's so right. I, kinda, I feel like just a dude who's just way more animated than you see like. Any NBA coach typically. Mm-hmm. Eric Spolstra has terrible sideline persona, and that's one thing I wish I could um, improve about Spolstra. I think he's a terrific coach, but that sideline persona—it's just—he always looks like he's smelling something bad. <laughs> I do. <laughs> that's what Spolstra is. He's like, he's always like, "What is that smell?" <laughs> uh, I'm also not a fan of like his middle part or something. Man, his hair was 
One of the most um, embarrassing things of his coaching career was when the first time in 2012 when we won the finals and he put that finals hat on backwards and it just looked ridiculous. <laughs> and these are the things that I'm talking about when it comes to Spo. I feel like he just, this isn't his identity. I think like in, deep down he just wants to be wearing basketball shorts. And he's he like just, a basketball geek, right? Yeah. He doesn't want to be wearing a suit. He doesn't want his, his suit game has not improved either. His suit game is off. I think that's kind of whack. He wears the same tie. He has, wears like this, the black suit, like an off, like frosty blue shirt and a maroon tie, like every other game. He, <laughs> Quinn Snyder's kind of got like that frat bro. He kind of goes after like the patterned shirts with the interesting ties. Um, even Greg Popovich, who you don't really think cares about that stuff, he grew out his beard. That's a that that counts into the sideline persona thing. That's interesting, yeah. Because now he's got like, while Quinn Snyder is like a punk rock band on on the sideline, like Greg Popovich is just like a, he's like U two or Bruce Springsteen. He's just like a living legend on the sideline. So that's kind of what he's got that aura, and that's what kind of is interesting. But Eric Spoelstra needs to find a spot. I don't know who else has a good side sideline persona in the NBA. Um, I'm trying to think. Brad Stevens, I like his sideline persona. You know, yeah, 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 he's good. Brad Stevens. It always seems like there's there. I like he's talking all the time. I feel like, and that's good. There's like activity. He's like coaching. Maybe he's coaching too much because he's coming from college too. But uh, yeah, he's got that coach thing. Uh, Frank Vogel, I think, typically has a good one. Good one. Yep. He's been active. He's been coaching a lot more this season. Mike Malone. I've been watching a lot of the Kings, and Mike Malone has yeah. got a good... He's ready. He, every time out, he yells at somebody. Yeah, he really gets going. Mm-hmm. This is something we um, got to talk about more. Um, start looking at that a little bit more. I got to... But for when, for league pass reasons... What? Yeah. Can I switch lines real quick? Yeah. Have you watched any of the Suns lately? Um. Yeah. I'm not watching them as consistently as I wanted to. Okay. Not as much as others, but I'm kind of concerned that Isaiah Thomas is just a ball hog. This is and an interesting that, conversation because the Kings got rid of him and everybody tore the Kings apart. But Darren Collison's playing really well. They look like they made the right decision. Yeah, Darren Collins. Darren Collison is not as talented as Isaiah Thomas. Like everyone mm-hmm. kind of hated that decision, and now it's worked out because Boogie's happier. Like. Like, man, all the frowny, like, sad faces that – just so pouty all the time, Boogie was, like, when Isaiah was doing his thing in the fourth quarter and he put up, like, 12 in the fourth and they'd still lose by, like, you know. And you always, always throwing the hands up, too. Just – and he's not yeah, throwing the hands up in the fourth quarter. Stomping around. I was mm-hmm. angry. And I'm kind of feeling that way about the Suns. And it's not a good – it's – it's not great for team chemistry when you're playing Isaiah Thomas and Gerald Green at the same time because that's two ball hogs. Like, we're just going to chuck shots. It's mm-hmm. interesting, but I'm kind of nervous about the chemistry. And, like, I feel like it's becoming clear. I love him, but, like, Eric, this should be Eric Bledsoe's team, right? And, like, right. he's not getting all the minutes that I think he should. And Dragic is 
it came off the career year last year, but that it's starting to look like that was his high and not the norm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, they're winning games, so I'm going to give him credit for that. But I'm just nervous about those three point guards. So you know, yeah, I wasn't. I watch a lot of Suns. Like that's the team, and like, I, I, man, I'm the chemistry is not right. I wasn't a big fan of the Suns getting Isaiah Thomas because I wasn't sure how that was going to work. Um, I didn't think it would be like this, but I don't. I, I was mad at the King. I was more mad at the Kings for letting him go than the Suns getting him. I was more blaming the Kings and crediting the Suns. I thought the Suns just did it because they could. That's kind of the sense I got. I'm sure that's not why they did it, but that was just like I was like, why? You already have Bledsoe and Drog- Like, you should be focusing on other areas, like not letting Channing Fry go. Or something, um, but yeah, I. It looks like the Kings kind of realized we're two years away, maybe from realizing that Isaiah Thomas isn't that good and he's just a ball hog. And I think the Kings kind of realized that sooner than everybody else. Um, there's that phrase that oh, the teams always know more than we do, so let's wait and see. But we kind of didn't allow that phrase to qualify for Kings moves for like a long time. But you look at things that they've done. Rudy Gay, that trade has worked out fantastically. They've absolutely saved Rudy Gay's career. Um, you know, Josh Smith has got to look at what Rudy Gay did and has to be like, well, that's what I want, even though um, he probably doesn't. But <laughs> And then getting Darren Carlson, that switch, I mean, it was a perfect, like, Carlson's just good chemistry-wise. And they've said in the past that they're going to build this team around DeMarcus Cousins, and they absolutely have, and they haven't. They've gone all in on it, and I've got to like I've got to credit that. Like they had the courage to let Isaiah Thomas walk, get a guy just like a chemistry guy like Darren Collison to replace him, and they've absolutely just said no. We're going all in on Boogie, and it's absolutely paid off. And you got to respect that. And we didn't give them the benefit of the doubt because I think they've made so many questionable mm-hmm. moves in the past. And this new regime, I think the general consensus was that with new ownership they might have been trying a little too hard to compete right away because that's what a lot of owners want to do they, you know like you take over a team and you just want to make it an instant contender to get the fans back and uh, I think Rudy Gay was viewed as a little bit of an ambitious move um, Derek Williams they got mm-hmm. I mean he stinks so like that one was bad but like Rudy Gay people kind of viewed it in a negative light the Ben McLemore, people questioned him uh, as, a, as a pick in general, uh, but someone had to take him. They took him, and he's actually starting to play yeah. actually pretty well right now. But then Nick's then drafting Stauskas a year later at the same position. It's like, okay, well, what are you doing? You've burned one of these draft picks. Mm-hmm. And trading Isaiah Thomas, all these are viewed as a negative light. And I feel like they're doing better than on those moves than – uh, the general population gives them credit for. Was there a stretch four available when they were picking Stauskas? You're kind of more on the, I don't know, let me look this up. Yeah, because yeah. that's what they need, right, is a stretch four. Every time I'm watching the Kings. Because they played Jason Thompson in crunch time minutes, and he's bad. Um, <laughs> was that before the Hornets pick? Is Noah Vonley a stretch four? He's just a better four. He's a better four than Derek. He's, a better, he's probably a better four than anything they had. Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't remember anymore. I'm gonna look it up because okay. now I'm interested. Um, here we go. 
I, I, I like the Macklemore and the Stauskas picks because my um, – here we go. I got it now. So I took Scouse. Yeah, Vonley was the pick after. Uh, I can't remember what everybody had in their mock drafts, but a good move would have been like Adrian Payne, who the Hawks took at 15, but that would have been it would have been yeah. way too high at 8. It just would have been way too high. But maybe like a yeah. – like, it's not like teams don't trade down though, so – like Adrian Payne would have been a really good fit on that team, I think. Um, I like Adrian Payne. I hope he does well in the D League. Yeah, I'm a little. Uh, I was a little upset that he wasn't playing more because I kind of wanted to watch him, but I guess that'll be something for next year more, more so. He's he's like weird. I'm high on him. I don't know. Me too. He's got. He's like a really big dude, and he can hit threes. I'm like. I saw a couple clips of him in like a college dunk contest one time. Like, wait, he did like a between the legs dunk, and like for a, like a guy who's almost seven feet, that was like like insane. Like, I don't yeah. even know. Like, when you have that much ability, like you're, you're gonna be good. So, like, okay, immediately after Stoush gets Von Lee, Peyton, mm-hmm. McDermott, would we have liked to have seen all those guys? I mean, I was McDermott probably would have. I mean, I guess that was the same as taking Stauskas. I really like the Stauskas pick because I'm really high on him. Because the big knock on him was that he didn't, he wasn't fast, and I just, ne- I never really understand why that is a huge yeah. concern. I feel like fast, like fast, is more of a strength than it is a weakness. Like if you're slow, I mean, he's not slow, right? He's just not super fast. Fast, yeah. It, and if he's just gonna be a spot up shooter, like is Kyle Korver fast? No, but every team would love him. And I'm not saying Stauskas be a Kyle Korver, but that's probably his ceiling, right? Is a Kyle Korver type player. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I like. He's a good. I feel like he's a good ball handler, Nick Stauskas. Yes, that's true. That's true. So he, he can initiate things. He had those quotes about him being like a white player in the league, and mm-hmm. how he's going to get tested a lot. I love and that those quote. Are kind of controversial. I love that. I don't think it, he was necessarily wrong per se. Like he was very blunt about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it could have not been said or said in a different way. But I don't. I also don't think he he was like totally incorrect. Like I get what I get what he was what he was yeah. trying to say. He's the guy on the court. You know, he's the one that know. Like you know when people are attacking you. I mean, you just know. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think there's. I like that pick. I like the Macklemore pick. My my idea is. If this, you can never have enough three point shooters. Just keep putting them on the court. If you just keep drafting them, that's what the draft is about. Is about accumulating assets. Just keep drafting them. They gotta get some good three point shooters. If you're gonna surround the team around, if you're gonna build a team around Boogie, you gotta got you gotta space the floor. Um, this just, this team needs to stretch four. That's about it. I think that's the next piece. And that's one of the things I really like about watching the Pelicans is that there's there and something that's really gonna probably be more of a factor in the playoffs if they make it than it is in the regular season is the versatility of their front court. And that all is hindered on Anthony Davis being able to play the five and the four spot because they can go big with Omer Asik, Asik. How do we, have we agreed as like a universal way? Omer. Um, we'll just go on a first name basis. What's like Shabbat? It's like Shabazz and Shabazz. Like it's kind of that same thing where it's like whatever you want. I don't care. It'll let it fly. I really appreciate when players just come out and they say, this is how you say my name. <laughs> yeah. the, and it's something that happens every so often. And Omer Ashik needs to do it. And Shabazz Napier needs to do it. 
it might it's i think a lot of it has to do with um where you grew up regionally People in the Northeast probably go Shabazz, I would think, but... Uh, Shabazz. Oh, man. I go Shabazz. I go Shabazz most of the time. Unless I'm feeling frisky and I'll go Shabazz. I don't know. And sometimes you just let it slip. Like, it's just whatever you feel like at the moment. Right. But then you start questioning yourself, like, who am I? How do I really speak? And it's just... It's unnecessary. But then what if Shabazz... Napier wants to be known as Shabazz... Shabazz Muhammad wants to be known as Shabazz. Oh, like, Jesus. Oh, man. Oh, there, it was going. way too much when they played the, when they played Adam, Timberwolves. They got Adam Silver involved, and mm-hmm. then they got figured out. And it's like, I don't know if they want that. Like, maybe we just have to be ambiguous about how we pronounce the name Shabazz and Ashik. Hmm. That that's why they need nicknames. Ashik. That's why I'm gonna go from now. Ashik. Ashik. This sounds right. Yeah. Because. Ashik doesn't sound necessarily correct. Oh, a Sikh is completely off. It's, Actually, uh, I, don't know. I guess Ashik doesn't sound wrong either. Okay. Anyways, um, can you sell me on everyone? Can you sell me on anyone in in, uh, in the Pelicans' backcourt? I kind of like Are Austin Rivers not? this year. Right, I was about to, that's where I was going to go with this. He was he's not a screw up this season and he can dribble again, which he apparently forgot how to do last season. So um but no, not really. Eric Gordon has been you just look at his stats, awful. Tyreek Evans is not even he's they finally start moving him more towards the 3. This whole is he a point guard thing is finally out has left the building and they're starting to play him at small forward finally. Um He's also he's he's like a guy who needs to get to the basket to score because mm-hmm. he's not a good shooter, but he's also not good at finishing at the rim. So there's a problem. Like, I'm I'm not a Tyreek um, Evans fan. He hit his peak his rookie year, and that was about it. He did. Yeah. I partly blame this on the Kings. Like he probably could have been better than this. Okay, so the, the old Kings though, not the new Kings, because we like that we love the new Kings. The old Kings sucked. We hated them. Yes. So that was an awful, awful place to be. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm still a, a Drew Holiday fan. I don't know. Okay. There's there's it's games where he looks great, and there's games when he doesn't look great. And I feel like when he's really trying to do things, he's good. But I feel like sometimes he's just throwing the ball into Anthony Davis or running pick and rolls with Anthony Davis. Or I'd like to see more of aggressive Drew Holiday because I think he could be dangerous. I don't know how else to explain it other than that. I like Anthony Davis. I like their center from Turkey. Omer, <laughs> last name, however you want to say it. The Turkish center. I I enjoy those two guys. I wish there was a third. I wish there was some sort of guard or wing player that I was sold on in this group. And the and problem, not- yeah, and it's gonna be hard to make a move with those contracts that they have because they gotta unload one of those backcourt guys, and I don't think they're tradable. I don't know. I don't know if Tyreek Evans is tradable. Eric Gordon's not tradable. Nobody's touching that, right? Like, I don't know if any of their deals are expiring. Are they? I don't think so. But, I mean, but out of those three, plus Austin Rivers, if one of them can have a good game, right? 
and that kind of opens up. They're they're always on a better they're always a better team when one of those guys are on another level, right? And and now you're just kind of taking the odds, like okay, one of those guys has got to have a good game this year or this game, and then with that front court versatility, because you can go big with Omer Turkey Center and Anthony Davis, or you can go small with Ryan Anderson as the definition of a stretch four and Anthony Davis at the five. That's a dangerous thing to have because you basically you can pair you could play with the Houston Rockets, you can get up and go, or you could play with the Memphis Grizzlies and slow the ball slow the game down. Because that's Drew Holiday can also do both of those things. Like he might not be necessarily great, but I feel like he can at least slow the game down and just run pick and rolls with Anthony Davis. Or when he when I like Drew Holiday when he's being aggressive and attacking the basket and doing things, I think that's where he can start picking it up a little bit. That's the problem with having like a mediocre point guard. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you either got to commit to them or get rid of them. And obviously, they didn't have him at the point, but they committed to him when he was on another team. Right. And they're probably taking a chance to see if he would be something better than he'll probably end up being. I don't know if you should ever trade for a play- from a player from the 76ers. <laughs> Those players always seem to be better in Philadelphia than they are anywhere else. Karolinko. Are they getting Karolinko? What's going on with that? The rumor is that. Why would they do that? The Nets, the Nets want to get rid of Karolinko, which is kind of weird because, like, didn't he go there because the Prokhorov, the Russian owner, like, they had that Russian connection? Yeah, but Russians don't have like they could just turn on each other like that. Low loyalty kind of thing. Yeah, they're it's, they're very there's no emotion when it comes to Russia, so yeah. they they both realize that that. That's not working, and they just decided to part ways. That's how I feel. That's what's going on over there. So, Karolinko is just not even the same player anymore. So, you feel free to throw... What's that? No, no. I mean, he's he's past his prime. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, the 76ers have that TJ, or what's-his-face, that was just... He's, like, dunking all the time now. Um... Yeah, TJ McDaniels or whatever, and he's he's just crazy athletic. Tony Roten's doing like fun things, but yeah, that that team's um, are they gonna get um, um, Jaleel Okafor? Like they draft him with the first no. pick, right? <laughs> yeah. If they get the first pick, they'll have, they'll have Jaleel Okafor, Embiid, and Nerlens Noel. And Darius Harrich. The answer is no, unless Jaleel Okafor gets some sort of devastating injury. (laughs) And then it's a definite yes. Then they're absolutely picking him. Um, Well, like, if they have the first pick and Okafor is what we think he is, you have to take him, right? And they have to figure out what to do with that. Like, and then, then who becomes the. And this is just way beyond, like, we're completely jumping the gun here, but do you trade Nerlens Noel? Do you trade Embiid? Do you trade any of them? Do you just see what happens? You trade. You don't. You don't trade Nerlens. You don't trade Nerlens. I guess it depends how Nerlens turns out this year. Okay. Because I would say of those three, Nerlens is has the lowest ceiling. Probably. Because you can't trade Embiid, and that guy's just—he was the consensus number one pick before his injury. And you can't really get anything for him at this point. What do you do in the off season? 
maybe you have serious concerns about what he's going to be and you can just steal it on somebody. But, like, here's the thing, like, I agree with you. New Orleans is probably the least talented out of the three or has the least, the lowest ceiling, like mm-hmm. you said. But can you play Okafor and Embiid together? Like, who's mm-hmm. going to play the four? Right. Like, it sounds good. Yeah, like, get rid of get rid of the perceived worst player out of the three. But... Um, no, nope, that's right, because you need New Orleans to be that defensive guy, too. Um, so maybe you just trade the Okafor pick. I think you just... Mm. Okafor's really good. He looks he looks pretty good. Um, I don't know if you could trade the pick if he's the guy. If, if you have an opportunity to take him, I don't know if you trade that pick. Especially because I don't know, like, who else do you take in this draft? I mean, I haven't really gotten into it too much. A college basketball season just started, so... You know who they take? I know who they take. They take Moutier. Oh, I was that's who I thought you were yeah. gonna say. Um, I, I haven't watched a whole lot of Chinese basketball this year, but it sounds like he's playing like like okay. I was watching highlights yesterday of him, and he's really fast and good at doing things. So you know who I was watching highlights of the other day? No. He has he he used to play for the Heat, and he could be the savior of your team this year. Buzz, buzz, the be, the be, the bees, Michael Beasley. Oh, jeez, don't tearing even. It up. No, no. He's tearing it up. We no, we Bring did. Back. No. <laughs> the new Mister Three Hundred Five. He's gonna take over. You're depressing this me, Ross. Perfect. This is gonna be the perfect transition. Udon takes a step down. He retires. He had a great Mister Three Hundred Five career, and now like. Mr. 305's original son, Michael Beasley, back for his third stint with the Heat. Oh, yes. Here's the problem with Michael Beasley being in Miami. <laughs> just should never happen. Shouldn't happen. He should be in Milwaukee. Drugs are way too easy to get in Miami. <laughs> what? They are. They're way too easy to get. Yeah, you're right. He should be somewhere in Milwaukee where it's – to get drugs, you have to go into, like, negative 20-degree weather. You have to go outside. Um, in order to get it, and that I think would probably stop him thirty four percent of the time. Utah would be a good spot. Utah, even those Mormons are freaking. We'll keep him straight. Yeah, maybe Utah's a good spot, but that five out system would not be a good fit for him because he would he would just blow it up. He would chuck it up all yeah. the time. He would screw it up. Um, Beasley's just. Can we not talk about Beasley? Just depression. I wanted to though, because you get so angry. <laughs> I love Michael Beasley, man. He's so fun if he's not on the team that you're hoping wins. If you're just Why isn't he on the Lakers? Team, yeah, exactly. Because he shoots too many threes. Byron Scott doesn't like threes. Yeah, those inefficient three pointers. You know. I love that quote because he said he didn't believe in threes. As opposed yeah, right. to, I don't believe in, an, uh, I don't believe a good offense takes 33 three-pointers a game. That would be something. It would also be wrong, because you would look at the Houston Rockets as example A of that being a good offense, but at least, but he doesn't believe that they exist, or... Like threes, like in general, like, yeah, they're not a thing. Like, when he counts, it's like one, two, four, five, six, seven, eight. Just... They're so bad. Um... All right. They're so bad. I heard a Lakers fan tell me the other day, if um, if the 
game where Nick Young and Kobe both score 40 and Jeremy Lin adds seven, 17, we're going to be unstoppable. <laughs> and I was like, Are you s-? and this person like watches basketball. Like doesn't just watch the Lakers, but like watches basketball in general. And I was, I was like, what? what? Are you kidding me? Yeah. First off, first off, that only adds to 97 points. They're giving up like 120 points a game. In the three quarters. That's still never going to happen. Right. This team is bad, and I think Byron Scott is the stopgap coach. I don't really think that they – there's no way that that organization thinks that Byron Scott the, the, is going to hoist a championship trophy, right? Like, there's no way. If they do, then you got to be worried about them. But, yeah, it's, I feel like no one on this team is who they want. Like, it's just like, okay, we, just, we have to physically actually play this year. Mm-hmm. We can't just not play. So Kobe t- put up a whole bunch of shots, and let's try again next year. At least we're going to have a good pick to trade away. <laughs> this team, it's tough for them because they have to still be the Lakers and actually like look like they're trying, I think, or something, because they can't completely just go full 76ers and tank and just get like the experimental coach and no. the they just basically just be an experimental... like team for a little while they just can't they they just have to go out there and That's put kobe bryant right yeah they don't want to develop talent like they kind of begrudgingly took julius randall i got that sense too it's like oh a rookie really yeah no, they just want to sign guys who have the prime of their career and just compete right away that's just the way they're i think forever gonna be until Something crazy different happens. Well, that's how Pat Riley's been, too. And it's been, for Heat fans, it's been a struggle. It's, why don't we draft anybody? And you look at it, like, the Spurs get Kawhi Leonard, and it's like, this is who we need. We need Kawhi Leonard. And, well, every team needs Kawhi Leonard. But uh, Pat Riley, he's just going to go out and sign Luol Dangs and Ray Allens, and he's going to get three good years out of these guys, and then he's going to turn them, you know? And it's frustrating because you'd like to see a little bit more building, but... It's I there's I don't think he is anti draft because you Shabazz Napier and, and uh, James Ennis are playing good minutes this year and obviously drafted Dwayne Wade who basically put this franchise on the map so I just I don't think he relies on it it's not so much he avoids it but he's also willing to trade picks to get veteran players. It's not players. the preferred method of building right. a team for Pat Riley. He'll use the pick if he has to, or if he, or if there's somebody who wants to go get. Because he also moved to go get Shabazz Napier. It's not like Shabazz fell to them. He was taken a pick or two before by the Hornets, and they worked out a trade for him. So I think when he's got his eye on somebody, and he was smart because of that 0-3 draft, he knew he needed to draft one of those guys. He took Michael Beasley, which didn't work, but he wanted Derrick Rose. I mean, Beasley looked good in college. Like, I can't. Yeah, I mean, him and Rose, it was like, well, who, which one of these guys do you take? And it was like, well, do you need a point guard or do you need a forward? Yeah. And that was kind of – but both of them are going to be really good, right? Like everybody – that's what everybody Thanks. thought. But Michael Beasley just – Miami wasn't the right spot for him. Yeah, it's kind of a Greg Oden – well, not really. Greg Oden was even, like, less under his own control. But, like, I don't fault a team for taking Michael Beasley right out of college because he was a monster. Mm-hmm. I mean, he obviously did have red flags, but – uh, you always draft thinking that you can fix a lot of those things sometimes. Meanwhile, Derrick Rose can't even get on the court. At what point do the Bulls have to just yeah. cut Just cut yeah. it? 
Well, it's not like you could I trade Derrick Rose, but they have to at least go after a, Isaiah Thomas would have been a good pick for them. It would have been like a good if they would have put in an offer sheet for Isaiah Thomas. They need a real backup point guard because that backup point guard is going to be the starting point guard for a majority of those games. And Kirk Heinrich's just not the answer. And neither is Aaron yeah. Brooks. There's a lot of like uh, people who write for the NBA or bloggers and stuff that are like, oh yeah, I really like this Bulls team. They're deeper than they've ever been. They have more. They have a better offense than they've ever had. And, and like, I think generally I agree with that. But it's not like they're setting the world on fire right now. Right. Like, I, I, I still feel a lot of the people who follow the NBA are 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 using like conjecture just to what they see in the future, not necessarily what's going on on paper. And yes, Rose has been hurt in and, in and out of the lineup, but they're eight and five. It's not like they could have a lot better start right now. Like, mm. if you like the Bulls, don't I, I don't really buy that. It's because of what you've seen so far. I think it's still like a what they could be. I really liked this Bulls team when Joakim Noah was initiating the offense out of the post. That was fun. I really, I thought they were better that way. I, I like that team better than I like an in and out Derrick Rose in and out of the lineup, and he's doing stuff with the ball when he's in. I think if they could just get rid of Derrick Rose, I know Derrick Rose was MVP and he's great, and maybe I'm sinning right now, but if there's a point where they're gonna have to move on because this is, just, I I just don't see it getting better if he's just gonna yeah. be in and out like this all the time, and just. Basically, build your team like the Memphis Grizzlies have, and build your team around Joakim Noah, facilitating and initiating, and just being awesome, and just try to get guys like Doug McDermott and Taj Gibson and and even Pau Gasol, if, if all those guys, just put them in good scoring position, just like just run your team through Noah, and that's fine. And Jimmy Butler's having a good year too, so. Oh, Jimmy Butler does actually. Out of all the players to like give you real hope for the Bulls this year, Jimmy Butler's mm-hmm. gonna be like a he's near fixed that player. he's fixed that jumper. It looks like yeah, last year was just have off. To spend money. Yeah, that's true too. Like they're gonna, have to, they're gonna have to shell out cash for him because he's gonna be. I mean, otherwise people are gonna throw out big offers for Jimmy Butler because mm-hmm. he's a guy who could play in almost on almost any team in any system. Like he's a guy who plays defense and shoots threes, but also can kind of handle a little bit off the dribble. Yeah, like any like he could work for any team. So that's he's, a problem. For everybody thought of him like a three and D guy, but I think he's. Getting closer to the Kawhi Leonard side of the spectrum than he That's is maybe the just like that Danny Green three and D kind of thing. Um, team if a team could give him the max and just bet on him being Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Oh, I think a team would definitely do that. Yeah, and I think if the Bulls let him go, it's going to be a huge mistake. And they finally found a really good shooting guard, and they just can never seem to hand like hold on to those guys. Sure. And I hope that their answer for replacing Jimmy Butler isn't, oh, well, we got Dunleavy and McDermott. We'll just play those guys at the two and the three. I really hope that's not what happens. I, I, yeah, I don't think so. I think they know they need him, but the problem is now, like, if you get an extension done, mm-hmm. 
preseason. Well, he he did all he refused the extension. He was betting on having exactly. a career year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so for you're right, it was kind of out of their hands. But the fact that that didn't get done and he's winning on his on him betting on himself right now is right. gonna. It's just gonna make it a. It's a good situation, but also a bad situation. So if you're the Bulls and you have a choice, and this choice doesn't really exist, but maybe it does at the end of the year, Derrick Rose or Jimmy Butler. That's exactly what we're seeing, and I think. <sighs> but you're right. But you're right. Here's the thing: if you're gonna make a crazy move like that, where you just decide Jimmy Butler over Derrick Rose, which most people I think would disagree with right now, now is a good time because that means they still value Derrick Rose instead of right. instead of waiting until it's, where it's obvious that you might want to go Jimmy Butler over Derrick Rose. Because then, what can you get for that for him, or what can you do? You know. If you trade Derrick Rose, who is? Who's the team you trade him to? What team's willing to kind of make that that move? I don't even know if there is a team willing to trade the amount of assets it will take to get to acquire Derrick Rose to make the space for Derrick Rose, and then to have that that Derrick Rose problem. I mean, is there a team that's just like, is it the Lakers? Yeah. It's, it's but what assets do they have? Like they have to get people in free agency. They can't really a first round pick, like whatever pick they have this year. Well. You gotta match the uh, the salaries. Contracts. Yeah, let's let's go to the trade machine here for a sec. So you give them Julius Randle, obviously. Right. And you give up your pick this year. Right. So Derrick Rose, uh, the expiring of Steve Nash, to for salary reasons. So you get the expire. So Derrick Rose is at um, eighteen point eight million. Nash is at nine point seven. So you're already halfway there. Um, you could trade. You could trade Steve Nash, and Jordan Hill. And draft picks, for Derrick Rose. Now that's not going to be enough to get Derrick Rose because you'll probably have to put in. Right now the Bulls are. Julius Randle, you could do Stephen Ash, Julius Randle, and I think you'd still need to put Jordan Hill in there. No. Mm-hmm. The problem is they already have so many big men. Yeah, but you don't. Like, I think the Bulls would take Julius Randle in a heartbeat. They would need to have Julius Randle in that trade. A deal like that with some draft picks and whatever. Um, I think that that's more the Bulls not really getting much in return. Yes, you're getting Julius Randle and maybe some assets in, in the draft, but I think you're, they're you're the, sold that Derrick Rose isn't the guy anymore. Right, you they have to be absolutely sold that Derrick Rose is not the future of this team, and that they're not they don't want to recruit that problem of dealing with Rose being in and out with the knee injury. So you're it's almost like an it's it's hard it's weird to say, but it's an addition by subtraction. You're, Plus, you're clearing up all that cap space. To go sign Jimmy Butler and to extend Jimmy Butler, give him the max, 
Now you're building your team around Jimmy Butler, betting on him being Kawhi Leonard. You can extend Joakim Noah, who only has two years left. Taj Gibson's a real good player. Miratik's a good player. If you add Julius Randle to that mix, who knows? You have a ton of assets in that front court. You just need to go get a point guard. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. It, this situation is only so you can get out of, out from underneath Derrick Rose and get ahead of the curve and mm-hmm. get something out of it and right. be able to turn that around quickly into something profitable. And that's the move. I really do. I think that even even if Derrick Rose does get any 70% of what he was, he'll be an all-star. But you don't need Derrick Rose when you have this team the way it's set up. If you just have an above-average point guard with the players that they have, this is a contender in the East every year. And they always say point guard is the easiest position to to replace. To to so why not get rid of Derrick Rose? I don't know. That's the move to me. It's risky and it's ballsy, but I think you have. I think if you can trade Derrick Rose and you could pawn him off to the Lakers, you do it. Yeah, I mean, we're probably the only ones talking about Derrick Rose trade right now, which is pretty crazy. But I, I, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see it as something that's totally nuts. Like, if you can, if anyone still values the old Derrick Rose, even partially of what he used to be. I mean, Peyton Manning left the the Colts and went to Denver, and sure. it ended up working for both sides, right? Like, crazy stuff happens. Like, weird this idea that Derrick Rose is, like, some something that's untouchable, that you just, this whole idea that, um, no, you have to just wait. Let give Derrick Rose time. Like everybody says, no, let him take as much time as he needs. No, no, he doesn't have as much time as he needs. This is every year you're an NBA team. The when he's taking time and all that time that he quote unquote needs, Joakim Noah is another year into his career and coming out another year coming out of his prime. Right, Jimmy Butler is going to peak at some point, and 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 soon he's going to be, you know, within these next couple of years, he's going to be at his peak. He's going to be at at where he's most dangerous. And Pau Gasol doesn't have much time left, and you you signed him banking on making a championship run. There's, And you can only keep this team together so long. Derrick Rose doesn't have all the time he needs. And either it's time to trade and get get out from under that or or force him to take the court. And it's one of those two things. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. Because otherwise then you have like a weird Dwayne Wade situation where he's right. just going to be out just because he's out and now like can't trade anything for Dwayne Wade and like you don't want to get rid of him. Like you can't alienate him and he's just kind of a part of your team and you're kind of stuck with it. Like, But at least when Wade's in there, it like the, the team has its identity when Wade's in. And You're saying you'd, you'd rather, personally, you'd rather have Noah run the offense. Right. Because once Rose gets in there, it kind of like just it screws things up because this team learned how to play without him for two years, and all of a sudden he's coming back and it's like no, like let me let me do this, I got this, like and let me go do Derrick Rose things. I don't know if the Bulls are better when Derrick Rose is doing Derrick Rose things, and then the next game he's out. Like this whole idea that he can take as long as he needs and that he's just some sort of untradeable asset that when he comes back he'll be an MVP, I don't believe that. I think we've seen the best that we're ever going to see from Derrick Rose, and people keep holding out hope that he's going to come back, and all he needs is time to become 100%. It's just not the way it is. He's just not going to be that. It's just the way he moves, the way he, the way, how fragile he is. Yeah, 
we've seen the best out of Derrick Rose, and I don't think he's coming back, and it's time to trade him. And if any league's going to do it, it's the NBA, right? They're the most advanced, yeah. like... I just think there's, like, this aura around him that says you can't trade this guy. You have to wait for the Holy Ghost to come back, and it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know the East, the East is open right now, and the Cavs look iffy. And the Raptors look good, but they've also played, like, mm-hmm. incredible amount of home games. And, like, they beat the Raptors at home in a game that the Raptors probably should have won. But, like, I don't – I. Just because of that, like, I still think the Raptors are a team that's got a lot of chemistry. They know who they are. Like, I think that's kind of the advantage they have is, like, they know what they do well. Like, every, like, in the ga- a game against the Cavs in Cleveland, they, everyone knows their role in that team. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're not better than the Bulls. Like, when you just look at the roster, they're certainly not better than the Bulls. But if the Bulls fall behind i could see the raptors running away and somehow getting a one or a two seed or just a seed higher than the bulls and with home court advantage in toronto like i don't know who knows like you may not even make it to the eastern conference finals if you're the bulls i like the raptors a lot and i'm starting to come on to the side that dwayne casey's a good coach yeah i think he, i mean they know who they are right, right now he doesn't. It doesn't seem like he's overcoaching the team. He's letting. He's got a ton of athletes. Between Terrence Ross and James Johnson, one of them is going to have a huge dunk. Yeah, exactly. That's just going to absolutely just wow people. Um, it's a great, really fun team to watch that I'm. I'm paying a lot of attention to on League Pass, and I think they're good. Like Grievous, Grievous comes in and, mm-hmm. and, and it's just like a really good passer. Like a team that, that the Kings used to have him, and they probably wish they had a passer like him now. Um, but. Grievous knows his role. Lou Williams just doesn't have to worry about anything but scoring now, mm-hmm. which is when he's at his best. He had, an, he had a great game in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, everyone just kind of knows their role. Amir knows that he's just – Amir Johnson knows he's just an incredible pick setter. And even though he's injured half the time, like he doesn't try to do anything more than he is. Valanchunas is okay with just being a rebounder and getting the post all the time. It's not like he's always demanding the ball. Patrick Patterson comes in and just – opens the floor up, stands, you know, on the wing or in the corner and takes advantage of whatever shot comes his way. Yeah. Even Chuck Hayes, like, like big old fat Chuck Hayes, like, he comes in and plays 10 minutes a game and, like, you know, he just provides that energy and, and the defense sometimes. So they got a lot of nice role players where they don't have the stars or anyone crazy flashy. Uh, but they just kind of get things done. They draw fouls. They, they, yeah. they score buckets kind of in tough ways, but they've shown that they can do that consistently right so, we'll see. Demar's getting Demar DeRozan slowly getting better in everything. Like he's starting to really become good, even if you don't necessarily agree that with the way he plays. You know, taking a lot of mid range jump shots, but he's just not a three point shooter. Like he's a guy who just depends on getting fouled and hitting tough shots. But he seems to do that. Same with Kyle Lowry. Like, I like DeRozan. He's kind of a throwback shooting guard. Let him take the mid-range shots. Let him do those little things. He plays better defense than I think people give him credit for. Yeah, there's still a place for that in the league. Like, mm-hmm. Dwayne Wade made a living off of making tough shots. If you're good at it, just keep doing it. There's no reason to marginalize these guys to the three-point line or to underneath the rim. If you're a good mid-range shooter, that's deadly because now all of a sudden you're doing that thing that every team is giving you, that every team in the NBA like has 
all they're all just giving away mid-range shots. If you just hit it all the time, I mean, look at that's why Lamarcus Aldridge is borderline is an all-star power forward because he's just he just keeps hitting shots that everybody gives him. It's like a, it's like Moneyball, you know, where mm-hmm. um, you find you find some stat or some style of play in the league that's being undervalued and find a way to exploit that. And that's why I'm on board with the Pacers not trading Roy Hibbert. There you go. A whole other thing. Oh you got somebody that I think that maybe it fits Paul George better, but if you space the floor out a little bit more, but if you got something that not a lot of other people have, I think you just keep it. Yeah, I agree. It's with Roy, it's a it's a whole other conversation. Of, yeah. a lot of people just hate the way he's been in the playoffs, but he's always been a, a really like when he's on is when the Pacers have been at their best. So I, I think it always it's a question of like any trade, what you can get mm-hmm. for somebody, and in the end. I mean, you don't see a whole lot of trades anymore in the NBA, especially like a, a, around the trade deadline, things like that, just because it's not a trader's market anymore. Who makes a move, though, you if, if you're going to bet? For, for Roy? Or just in general, who makes a trade move? Because you have certain guys that are interesting. You have the Pistons might be moving one of their bigs, uh, Rajon Rondo, even though I think the Celtics are kind of... They look like they're sticking to Rondo, and I think that might be the right move. This team might be closer than we think. And then, uh, yeah, I, th- I feel wrong about that team. If anyone, I was, I was, I was very down on them, and I kind of, I kind of like the way they play. I think they're just, they've got a few good assets, but they're still a destination where a free agent can go. Like, I hate to say Marcus All, but what if Marcus All just decided to join the Celtics, right? All of a sudden, that team is good. You got Rondo, got Gasol. You have some some players around that around that team. You can you can always acquire three point shooters and stuff. All of a sudden, that team's good. And in the Eastern Conference, you don't need three guys. You only need like two guys and a, and a few other guys that can step up on a daily on a game basis. To yeah. all of a sudden, you could be in the finals. Um, Who makes a move? Okay, uh, my top off the top of my head. It, I mean, it can change at any time. It's just basically. You know, an injury could change things. Even, mm-hmm. but I think two teams that are um, squads that are realizing that they might be able to compete, like literally right now, like this year, the Warriors mm-hmm. and the and the Raptors could both use. And now I'm being almost, I'm almost less convinced with the Raptors as I was before. I both I think they both need front line depth. Okay. Um, another big or something. And I know so you're hard. you're thinking nothing nothing major, just something to acquire one more big I guess, guy. Yeah, I, I don't know if there is a big move. I know that's. I don't think there's another big move. I don't know if there is one. Especially the Warriors, is because it's. I mean, you never know with Andrew Bogut. Like he's just hurt all the time. Right. Like he's actually a very serviceable big man, and he he provides a very important function with the Warriors. They won't be able to go deep in the playoffs without him. I don't believe. I, I love Bogut. Insurance. You need some insurance with him, and I think they could they could use another big, right? And maybe maybe give up Andre Iguodala, maybe you give up mm. Harrison Barnes, maybe I Harrison Barnes is an interesting piece. Um, but that's a team that's like, oh wow, they're actually like good right now. Yeah, the Warriors are, are like to me a, a final contender. They they can make a run. 
once Curry and Thompson get going in the playoffs, if they're on fire, it's going to be hard to beat them. And if Bo gets healthy, that defense is unbelievable. Um, all right, let's wrap this thing up. Um, have your finals picks changed in the last couple of weeks? Um, to be honest, I have no idea who's gonna what's gonna come of this East. I kind of like the East. Less less, I'm becoming less and less confident in the Cavaliers. Me too. But that's a conversation that's been had all over the world, so we don't need to go over it. But like, I'm kind of concerned, like. This is not just like the the nine and eight or eight and nine, whatever the Heat started. Mm-hmm. Um, nine and eight. Twenty ten. Like I don't. Yeah. Like I don't. This is different than that. Um, I agree. I think the my thing with the Cavs is I don't know if LeBron's outsmarting himself and just saying. And I think he's come off this a little bit the last couple of games. I think he's showing notable like frustration. But I thought at the beginning that he just kind of conceded the fact that it's gonna. Like, even in his letter, it was just like, it's going to take a little while. It's a young team. It's going to take a while. to. But I thought that was more just being passive instead of forcing the issue. You had to force that chemistry to happen. I don't know. I don't know if the, to me, it's just like they were kind of passive. Like, oh, this will click eventually. Like, at at some point, we'll all figure it out. And to me, it's just every player doesn't know what they're doing. And I thought that Eric Spolstra did an incredible job as the glue guy. And I'm a huge. I'm all. I'm leading the Spo train. I'm driving that thing. I don't think David Blatt's as good as a coach as Spo. I think all the analytics people love David Blatt, but I think something. I don't know if that's the team. That team doesn't need David Blatt. That team needs an Eric Spolstra kind of guy. Somebody that's going to use words like warrior in the process and stuff in every press conference and every time you speak to him and just going to put the glue on that team and stick it together. But that's my two cents. But you're right. The whole world's been talking about it, but I think, yeah, in the whole world talking about, it, I think Spolster doesn't get the credit that he deserves. I don't think he, I don't know if he ever will. Probably not. Not not when you have stars on your team like like he had. Mm-hmm. But he did a great job. Another conversation for another day. But anyways, in the East, just to handicap it, I'm higher. I've always been on the Raptors than anyone than mm-hmm. the average mm-hmm. analyst or anything like that. So I honestly think they can compete for a title. Um, I'm lower on the Bulls than I started this year, mm-hmm. mostly because of Derrick Rose. As we've gone over, I just have serious questions now about his durability. And obviously the Cavs, I have questions. I still think the Cavs are going to win the East. Um, I was really – I was pro-OKC to, to win the West. Uh, obviously the injuries have changed things. I just don't think it's realistic that they're going to do anything, even if they make the playoffs like – I don't know. Maybe okay. I'll change my mind. Who knows? But I gotta see it first. Like a foot injury is kind of scary with KD. That's anytime you injure your foot. I don't think injuries. there's any chance that this team makes the playoffs, and that yeah. this there's, and now you have a seed that's open. So I'm gonna be completely honest. I have no idea about any. Like I think this year is gonna be crazy. Like, yeah. I'm not sure. I thought the Clippers. Were it's gonna, gonna be come crazy. down to matchups. I think in the playoffs, and yeah. whoever gets the, it might just be whoever gets the best road laid in front of them might just. Be in the finals. I thought the Clippers were going to be like what the Rockets are this year, and just be like that team where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. they're the team. Um, but the Clippers even have some issues. Mm-hmm. So, and the Rockets uh, are good. I'm going to be honest with you. I have no idea about the West. Okay. So who? I think I know who gets the eighth seed in the West. Yeah. What do you think is the eighth seed? Well, I'm going to ask you first. 
that open eighth seed. Are we are we saying the seven teams that made it last year? I would assume. Then, like, it, I think it looks like those seven teams, right? And then like maybe, it, and then it's OKC and everybody else. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. So OKC's out. So now Here we're left OKC with like Phoenix barely, barely missed it last year. You have the you have uh, the Kings and you have the Pelicans. I think of the three that we're dealing with. I'm gonna say. Unless you think the Thunder somehow make it. I, I'm going to stick with the Thunder. Okay. I think the Thunder somehow make it. If they don't, and hedge my bet, I'm not. Just, I'm lower on the Pelicans than others. I like the Kings, but... Can't I'm trust them. The Suns, I'm kind of the Suns homer in that I really love watching them play. I still think the Suns could figure it out. They're still kind of a trade away at some point. I don't know if they can get mm-hmm. anybody, but um, I just like the way the team plays. I think they can get wins in the NBA. Like, I think they can get wins against teams to where you know they they find enough ways to win over a Kings or over an OKC, mm-hmm. where they make the eighth. I think I have a gut feeling about who you're going to say. I'm going boogie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't blame you. I mean. I don't feel good about it, though. The only reason why you don't feel good about it is not because of what you've seen this year. It's just because of they're the Kings. Right. I also... It's um, a fair point. Yeah. And that, and I think that there's something to that. I just... But the Pelicans have won some really good games this year. They've really yes. impressed. In some, they, they've shown that they can compete. Um, so I'm, I would probably go with... I don't know. I think I'm 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 going with my heart on this on one of those two, but it could it you're probably right about the Suns. The Suns are just a little bit more seasoned. And uh, I, kinda think, I kinda think they know who they are. Yeah. They have the ability to win games that they maybe shouldn't. And they were right there last year, so this isn't new. Where yeah. for like the Kings and the Pelicans, sustaining that success for the entire season might be a struggle for them because it's new for them. Yeah. But the Suns basically were a playoff team last year. They're in the West, so if there were nine playoff teams, they would have been the ninth one. I also have the least amount of questions, right? With them, like right. the Kings is like, are the, is this them? Like, right? The question is everything. Like, it, it's what we're seeing totally fake. And with the Pelicans, it's like, it's, who's going to be like their guard? Mm-hmm. So. And by the way, so, uh, Mike Malone, I really like him as a coach, but he's a good coach. Yeah, I think we had questions last year about him. I think he's proven that he's a good coach this year. Last year, like there was times when it got ugly, but I think a lot of that was just the culture and, and mm-hmm. the roster. So, if I had to handicap it, I'd go OKC, Phoenix, New Orleans, mm. Sacramento. But I think it's I think it's all close. I I'll, I think I'll go with Phoenix for the eighth seed. Okay. Gun to my head. That's what I'm saying. All right. Well, this has been the Hardwood Prospectus. Thanks for joining me, Ross. Always a good time talking basketball. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.